Good morning, saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Brady Finneran, pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. Sorry, I've been running around this morning trying to get things done. And today is Tuesday, October the 26th. And we gather this next hour around the gift of the inspired and true word of God and put on our Christ goggles as we begin studying Ecclesiastes chapter 1. Yesterday, we had a great overview of this wonderful book as you look at the truth of the reality of our world. But of course, if you just look at the world without God, it is exactly what he says today. Vanity of vanities, says Solomon, all is vanity. This is how it starts. Not good for a pep fest, not good for a, a pep talk before a football game or a motivational talk. But the preacher, Solomon himself, points us to truth, with thrusts us back into the truth of Christ. This book is not only a source for the birds to sing a new song, but to give us hope in the full sufficiency of Christ. The gifts are ready, ready for you. Thy's Wrong Word is graciously um, underwritten by our friends at Lutheran Heritage Foundation. For more information of their great work around the world, visit lhfmissions.org, lhfmissions.org. Helping us to be strengthened by God's Word this morning, we welcome back regular guest Pastor John Lekomsky, co-host of Wrestling with the Basics here on KFUO. Pastor Lekomsky, welcome back to Thy's Wrong Word. Say, Brady, I tell you what, you've already clarified things for me uh, because, <laughs> well, no, let me explain. I, I, I was born and raised in Kansas City, Missouri. I'm a yeah. lifelong Kansas City Chiefs fan. Of yeah. course, they've won the American thing for I don't know how many years. They were in the Super Bowl the last two years, and this year they just stink. And that's <laughs> what it is. Andy Reid must be giving them a pep talk. He must be reading to them from Ecclesiastes. It all makes sense now. <laughs> it, it does. Why they're having such a terrible season. <laughs> the Holy Spirit is working. It's working, no doubt. And I tell you what, yeah, this so, past weekend. So, so Coach Reid, don't know. Quit, quit the Ecclesiastes. Give them some other book, <laughs> please. I think every every Vikings coach must have read this in the oh. NFC Championship game or Super Bowl as well, as you say that. <laughs> That's right. I'm a Vikings fan, too. So maybe I go. don't know. All right. Yep. You're, Back you're to serious life. stuff. All yep. right. So, yeah. Pastor, what's going on for you, your family, and, uh, and wrestling with the basics here on KFUL? Well, well, we're back. We're back uh, down south because, as you know, Brady, it's getting cold up there. It is. You haven't it shoveled is. snow yet, have you? Have you? Not you yet. Had Not no... yet. It's, it's nope. coming, though. You know that. Yeah, uh, and yeah, no, we're doing fine, and and uh, yeah, so we're still doing wrestling basics. That's the beauty of what we have now with the internet. It's such horrible vanity of vanities. All you got to do is look at the internet. There, there's your vanity of vanities, and yet at the same time, God uses that so that so like you can be up there and, and start tell Minnesota, and yet literally mm-hmm. speaking to everybody around the world. Same thing with wrestling with the basics. I can be here in St. Louis. I can be up there in Northville, Minnesota, and we just keep preaching the gospel. That's what we do. So yeah, we invite people join with us uh, at nine o'clock on Saturday mornings, and we'll share. And we won't share with you vanity. <laughs> we'll share with you <laughs> something that that will actually get you through your 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 day-to-day life so well and, and this is really um a good, a good moment for us just to give thanks to the lord as you said you started with kfuo and it was almost explicitly all local pastors right. for st louis area 
And and I have to pinch myself a number of times that I am the host of Thy Strong Word, obviously because of my past listening to KFUO during my time at seminary, but also just to be able to speak to the people that I do, to study with the people I do, to get emails across the world um, saying, oh yeah, I listened to that too, and thanks be to God to be in God's Word together and to work with the people that we do as well. So it really is overall just a great time, even in the midst of vanity, um, to give thanks to the Lord for the gifts that He gives to us. So Pastor, anything else before we uh, begin this morning? Oh no, I'm I'm eager to get at this. There's, I was going to say there's lots of good stuff, but no, there's hardly any good stuff. But <laughs> but in contrast, uh, the good things in Christ will stand out even clearer. Yeah. And and this is why, as we keep saying, we put on our Christ goggles as we begin our time. So, Pastor, can you begin our time in prayer? Oh Lord, uh, help let let this text touch our hearts. Because I know there are people right now who are having the same kind of feelings that Solomon had when he wrote this letter. That what good is it? There's just illness and our children having problems. And and what can we look forward to except to get old and to die? Uh, and yet, oh Lord, let Brady and I lead people to the other part of Scripture where it shows us that even in a world of vanities, when you have Christ, it is also a world of great blessings and hope. Uh, give us that faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Reminder to listeners, if you have any questions about today's text, or Ecclesiastes in general, yesterday I would encourage our listeners, to you our listeners, to listen to our overview by Pastor Ketchelmeyer. Um, he always does a great job of bringing it all together, connecting it to the other scriptures, and also connecting it to Christ. And that's a great beginning point, but if you have any more questions, send us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org, or call 314-821-0850. Now, Pastor, I wanted to tell this short story and to tell of maybe the wrong way of talking about Ecclesiastes. And it's okay, kind of it's kind good. of fun. Is so when I first came here eleven years ago to Messiah Lutheran Church, I was sitting in my office and one of my organists came in and her granddaughters came in with her and they live in a small town and and we were just talking about a few things. And I said, So you like coming to visit grandma? I said, Yes. They're probably teenagers at the time. And they said, I said, What do you like about it? Well, we get to go to the mall. Where, and I was, what's your favorite store? And they said, Vanity. And I was like, <laughs> hey, let me tell you about Vanity. Ecclesiastes, actually, Vanity means meaningless. So you're going to go shop at the meaningless store. They were not impressed. Um, they were not excited <laughs> about how I said it. So just it, it's one of those things where we can look at this and read, at, read it in a, a way that Solomon is speaking about all the bad things in the world and then says, Amen. But when we see it through a different lens, it has a whole different meaning. So, yes, it does say vanity. Yes, it means meaningless. But, Pastor, how do we want to start our text today without, well, to start off on the right foot? Well, okay, so so here's the point you have to realize. It, it gets better towards the end, okay? But but I don't I'm I don't know. I haven't looked ahead. Maybe I'll get it again at the end. But but in this first chapter, you have a picture of what the world would be like if there wasn't a Jesus Christ. Okay? Mm -hmm. Now the thing you have to remember as you're reading this, there is a Jesus Christ. And, and Brady and I will do the best we can to bring in some New Testament passages, other Old Testament, that, that remind us of that. But yeah, this is a very, very sad chapter because Solomon is speaking as if there wasn't anything other than that which is under the sun. Okay? But there is something more than just what is under the sun, and we'll discuss that as we look at this. 
And reminder to our listeners, too, there are many wonderful Christ-centered resources based on this, and one of them is a Concordia commentary on Ecclesiastes from Concordia Publishing, Publishing House, written by Dr. James Bolhagen. And and I tried to get Dr. Bolhagen on the program, was not able to, but he has a wonderful commentary on this. And as Pastor said, there's many times he is able to pull that back to Christ, which is faithful to the Scriptures and obviously faithful to our theology. So I would encourage our listeners, if you really want to dig into this, which it is a wonderful book to read for us at all times, uh, that's a wonderful resource for you to have. So uh, so let's dig in. Are you ready, Pastor? Hi, I'm ready. All right. So let's just start with verse one. We're going to go relatively slowly today. In verse one, uh, we'll be reading from the English Standard Version of Ecclesiastes chapter one. The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Now, Pastor, I want to stop there just to make sure yeah. we're on the same page. What is that telling us in the first verse? Okay, well, well, it's usually assumed that it, this is Solomon who's the author. Uh, I, I mean, the, the text doesn't tell us, so we can't say absolutely sure. But everything we're going to hear, especially in this chapter about wisdom, would certainly fit what the Scriptures tell us about Solomon. Of course, he is a king of Jerusalem. He is the son of David. Uh, the assumption that is made, but again, it is an assumption because we don't have any scriptural evidence that says this, but the assumption is uh, he wrote the Song of Solomon, and he wrote that as a young man. And if you know the content of the Song of Solomon, that kind of fits. It has the kind of images yeah. that young men think about. Uh, that Proverbs was written when he was in his middle age, probably a guy about your age there, uh, uh, Brady, and reflects nice. some of the things he's seen and, and the wisdom that he's been able to uh, use in those situations. But now we have we have me. <laughs> we have the old guy. And he looks back over his life, and he sees a life where he's let these, these foreign wives come into his, his house and lead him astray to be watching, uh, worshiping, rather, foreign gods. And and now he looks back, and, and even his wisdom seems like it's all just a vanity, which is a word we will have to deal with in just a moment. Um, but I do want to say one thing before we leave the first verse. I'm glad to stop there. I don't like the, the word preacher, the words of the preacher here. Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't like the word preacher period, because in our culture, that's become a negative word. It has a negative connotation. Don't preach at me. Uh, it's the idea of, of uh, uh, some kind of speech that really doesn't, it's not really relevant. It uh, doesn't really apply to what, what my, you don't understand me. That That's the sense of preaching. It's a shame. It's a shame because it isn't a bad word. Um, I, I don't like it in the New Testament either. We have all these New Testament passages where Jesus preached. Uh, and, and I don't like it in the New Testament because the word there is, is Jesus wasn't given a speech. Uh, the Greek word when Jesus preaches in the New Testament is Jesus makes an announcement. He tells you something that's happening, okay? It's a mm. proclamation. It's more like mm. news than just a commentary, uh, which, depending on which network you're listening to, might be negative or positive. Uh, so I, 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 Anyway, but back to this point. Uh, the, the word there in the Hebrew simply means the one who calls together an assembly, um, it, it doesn't necessarily mean this was a religious assembly. In fact, I kind of get the impression it wasn't a religious assembly. He doesn't speak of himself here as, as in terms of his religious function, but rather he's the, the king. Uh, here's what Luther says. I think that these words were spoken by Solomon in some assembly of his retinue, perhaps after dinner or even during dinner, to some great and prominent men who were present. 
Um, so mm. th- that's that's why I don't like the word preacher because it gives you the assumption that this is some kind of religious thing. I'm not sure it was. I think I think Solomon's got together all of his uh, his secular leaders is uh, and he's saying, man, you know, after all these years, I look back at my life and vanity of vanities. Um, so that that's the only thought I'd say about the word preacher. By the way, I, I'm sure you talked about this yesterday. The word Ecclesiastes is actually the same word. So it mm-hmm. actually could be right. called the, the preacher, the preacher, although I would prefer to say the, the assembly, uh, the one who has gathered people together and now is talking to them. As it says, uh, this footnotes and, and the commentary, it talks about being a collector, you know, a collector yes. of people yeah. that connects us to Jesus also in John chapter 11, that he would gather those scattered of his church. And so there's that, there's that Christ, you know, um, goggles that go into this as well, that, you know, he's preaching, but Jesus ultimately gets, Solomon is the, the, uh, the, what do you call it? The pre-Christ, the, uh, uh, um, the one that points us to Christ as he gathers his people. So that was, uh, something I read as well. So it's, it's important for us too. I saw that when we start, Solomon is like doing an investigation of everything that his life has seen, all that life has to offer, that he is searching for meaning in the midst of all this. And, and the, question, um, the question for us is not necessarily what is the meaning of life, but what gives us meaning? And that's something that I, I read as well, that, that we can look at this as what's the meaning of life where you're trying to search for this. But as Christians, we know the meaning of life, which is found in Christ. And therefore, what gives us meaning is where he's pointing us to, which I thought was a great insight as well. Anything else in verse and, one? Well, well, no, see, and so, man, that's a, that's a great insight. So it's who assembles you. That's the big right. issue, isn't it? Right. So it's not that you get together. No, no, because you might get together and someone's not going to help you at all. In fact, what he gives you might actually mislead you. But but that's why it's so important to remember that it is Christ who gathers us together. Boy, I'm glad you brought up that passage, because when Christ gathers you together, you know he's going to gather together out of compassion and with a desire to bring you life, real life, not a life of vanity, but a life that is eternal. So I think that's a good question we need to ask ourselves, because there's a lot of people gathering together. We're pulling together assemblies. But the question you need to ask yourself, is this Jesus who is assembling us? And of course, wherever you have the Word of God, wherever you have the, the Holy Baptism, the Holy Supper, you can say, oh, those are the marks of the gathering of Christ. See, all right, we're in the right place here. We got Jesus mm-hmm. gathering us. Because anything else, you're just going to end up being vanity of vanities, no matter how impressive it might seem in terms of worldly terms. Because there's a lot of people gathering together, and they're gathering great crowds, and they're gathering together with lots of money and lots of resources. But that's no guarantee that they're going to give you anything other than what uh, Solomon's talking about here, the vanity. And so, well, we could run with that for a long time, and I'm not going to. Yeah, we'll get yeah, back no, to the text, yeah, verses yeah, two, yeah. And, 2 and 3. But let's be honest. I want to go there. Somehow I'm going to connect to the football like you did already, but I don't want I'm not going to do that. So verses, <laughs> verses hey, 2 and Brady, 3. Go ahead. Brady, since, since 2 has a very, very important word, and 3 has a very important word, would you mind if we just take them one verse at a time? And then after Sounds that, we can, we can spread it out. Sounds good, boss. All right, verse 2, verse 2. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher— Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. 
basically this is seen as the theme verse for the whole book. So what is it telling us, Pastor? All right. So so first of all, you have to understand why the word is repeated, vanity of vanities, because the Hebrew language has a problem. It doesn't have what we call in grammar. Oh, I love when I do grammar stuff because I know very little about grammar. But it doesn't have it doesn't have what we call the superlative. <laughs> and of nice. course, all all those who are like me are going, huh? <laughs> okay. But but the superlative is the, the ability to take a word and, and make it stronger. So so we've got good. And then we have the superlative, which is better. And we can even do uh, better than that. We can have best, right? Good, better, best. Hebrew doesn't have that. They don't have that way of taking a word and making it grander. So if they want to emphasize something, they have to repeat it. So when he says vanity of vanities, and then again vanity of vanities, all is vanity, uh, he's trying to say, yeah, this is the big problem. Everything I've seen in my life as I look back now, it's all vanity. And the word vanity, of course, is the word that actually means Mean it's a habel, habel, uh, uh, and it's used here thirty times in the book of Ecclesiastes. So it's a big, big deal, and it means a mere breath or a vapor. Let Let me give you another verse that'll just show you what uh, vanity is all about. Psalm one forty four verse four: Man is like a breath. His days are like a passing shadow. And, of course, the word there again is hebel, vanity. So man is is just, that's it. He's just like a breath. He's just gone here. Just like, you know, you, you probably see this. You get up in the morning and there's fog. Do you have that up in mm-hmm. Minnesota? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, but as, but as soon as the sun rises, the fog's gone. It doesn't last at all. And that's what he's saying. That's what life is like. It's just a fog. It's here and, and it's gone. Now, before we leave, though, i got to share one more thing with you. It's interesting that the Hebrew has all kinds of different words for breath, and this hebel is just one of them. And what's neat is the other words that are used for breath, like nafa, which is what God does when he breathes into Adam, and neshama, which is the breath of life uh, in, in the book of Genesis, and my favorite, which is ruah, which is the word we usually translate spirit, and I'm just pointing out, see, Solomon's talking about man's breath. And when you have man's breath, you got nothing but vanity. That's all it is. But you know what? You put the breath of God in there, and you could even take a pile of dirt, and it could become living and alive and a child of God. So Solomon isn't saying that here, but what we know from the rest of the Scripture is, yeah, yeah, Solomon, you're right, right? From dust you've come to dust you return. That's all you have in the breath of man. But you put the breath of God, the ruah, I really like ruah, the spirit of God. And then everything is miraculously different. And this is a great way for us to think about this, is he is looking at life under the sun as if there is no God, as if there is no Jesus. He's not denying Jesus. He's not denying God. But he's looking at as if. And he says, what is vain? What is vanity? You name it, it's vanity. No exceptions. <laughs> and and this is a, a much like when we talk about um, original sin, um, the depravity of humankind. Is the reality of and say, which human being is not sinful? Well, they all are. And how sinful are you? You have no chance. You have no chance whatsoever. And you have to say it in that way in order for you to understand the true context, the true uh, filter, the true goggles that we have to wear. And that's what I really enjoy about this, is that if I... If I try to look on the world and say, this is the meaning of life, and God is not part of that, in Christ, of course, then then I'm just fooling myself. 
because he, he goes through that list wonderfully today. And I think that's important for us in our world today as well. So any, any other thoughts on verse two? So, so it's in Romans eight twenty. Paul says, for the creation was subjected to futility, which is just another word for vanity. And not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. So you're absolutely right, Brady. Because of sin, this is what the world has been reduced to. But see, there's that hope word again, okay? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's that hope. Let me share with you a concrete example of this. We had a real tragedy happen. It didn't happen to me personally because I didn't know personally the man, but but our, our good pastor here, Pastor Bittner, was a classmate to him. I don't know if you heard about this fellow who, who just got a call to Beardstown. Uh, I believe mm-hmm. it was Beardstown, Illinois. Uh, just got ordained in July, and he went up to his bed uh, last week, and he died. Yeah. 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 I, I did hear about that, yeah. Yeah. Vanity vanity. But of course, no, no, that's not vanity. We know what this guy believed. Uh, We know what Jesus Christ had promised him. I mean, it's sad. It's tragic. And you can't get away from that. If, As you said, if all you focus on is what's under the sun, you're just going to see example more and more like this. But of course, when you bring Christ in, you realize, oh, okay, this will be terribly, terribly hard for his wife and, and, and his children. But you know what? It's not a vanity at all. He, he's with the Lord in heaven, and someday his wife and children will rejoin him there, and maybe at that point it'll make some sense. It doesn't make any sense now, uh, but it certainly isn't a vanity, and not, not in Jesus Christ. Um, well, anyway. Thank you. Yeah, thank I can, you for sharing I that. You, and... I can tell you more stories like that, too, but, but that's a problem. Don't be Solomon. Don't just focus on the vanity. It's there, but, but, but as you've done a good job, Brady, every time you get together here, no, there, there's something that goes beyond uh, the vanity, and that, that is the love we have of God. And that's where, when we read these next two verses, I read uh, another commentary that referenced how we talk about toiling under the sun, but let's remember yeah. this, that we in Christ are above the sun. And I thought that was a really good way. We're thinking of heavenly things as opposed to only earthly things. And that's a good reminder and filter for us today as well. So verses 3 and 4 is what we will uh, read next. What does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? Now I'm going to stop you. But no, wait, wait, wait. You promised me. Would just, but that's okay. After this, I'll let you go. Because <laughs> well, no, because we need, we, here's another word we're going to hear is the okay. word toil. And, and I think you've already kind of hinted at it. Uh, again, there's all kinds of Hebrew words for work. Okay? There's all kinds of Hebrew sure. words for work. But toil is the one Hebrew word for work that means to work without fruit or without profit. That's what it mm. means. Uh, right? Okay. You, but now, stand, stand that in contrast to what God said to Adam. Did Adam say there would be toil? You better believe it. You're going to mm-hmm. work, and you're going to get thorns, and you're going to get thistles, and you'll have the sweat of your brow. But then he says, but you'll eat. You'll eat. You know? Sure. There, so it's, Solomon's not right. No, there is toil. No doubt there is toil. No doubt. And it'll feel like this is useless work. But again, in God, in Christ, no, it won't be useless. You know, this, this fellow who died only three months in the ministry, he did all kinds of good things. Trust me, his studies, his care for his family, the people he came in contact all these years. No, no, he was telling people about the love of God. And I don't know why the Lord brought it to an end so quickly, but that labor was not toil. That labor will bear fruit. 
Don't you think mm. there'll be people in heaven who will greet him and say, you don't know this, but I heard you when you were a seminarian, when you were a vicar, and I'm here because of what I heard you, that word of Jesus you shared with us. But I did want to emphasize that, that that's the nuance yeah. of the word toil. It's this uh, uh, useless work. And man, sometimes we feel that way. I'm sure you feel that way as a pastor sometimes. <laughs> I know I did. Uh, um <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead, Brady. The yeah, no, I no, that is that is a very very good point of the the fruitfulness of the daily tasks, you know, that are yeah. that are in Christ, you know, the the work that that a parent does, the work that a child does in their in their school and their friends and 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 the normal jobs, the the church jobs, all of these things come together and it's not toil because when I think of toil, I think of, you know, when there's um um, just horrible ways that people treat each other. Like one of them is to have them dig a hole and at the end of the day, uh, just fill it back in. So you get yeah. nothing done and you don't see that. But in Christ, we know that when we're doing the tasks that the Lord puts in front of us, that is truly not toil. It is it's a fruitful thing. Although, as he's putting here, he's talking about, hey, this is simply um, without God. Yeah, it is toil without, without Christ there, the, you are, you're just striving after the wind that he'll say a number of times here as well. So I think we're good with verse three, but I, I'm going to no, check. Oh, no, no, you, you know better. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, so Keep here's going. the thing you, you put in hours, you put in hours working on, on a sermon and it's a great sermon and you've got the gospel <laughs> and, and then, and, and, and 20 people show up at church. And you think, oh, man, I put all that work in for 20 people. And, of course, God would say, you foolish pastor, what's wrong with you? I gave you the 20 people who are going to benefit from this word, the 20 people who will be changed by the message you're proclaiming to them. You were not laboring in vain. In fact, amongst those 20 people, there may be someone who will truly come to faith because of that sermon. So you're absolutely right. There is nothing that we do that is in vain. God takes all of our works and uses them for his uh, benefit and his plan. And just one more final thing, because you already said this, but it's worth mentioning. <laughs> uh, well, because because Luther says exactly what you said. Luther says, that's what you got to read here. This is how it is under the sun. But but remember that, that that's not all there is. There's also God who is over the sun. And when you put God in the picture, then they're all, things are all different than what you see here on earth. Uh, I'll, I'll give you an example that because it's sitting here in front of me right now. Uh, I, I have a, a needlepoint that my first wife did for for just for fun because she wanted to do needlepoint and learn it. And, and it's mm. funny, if I flip that needlepoint over, it's ugly. It's a mess. <laughs> you, mm. you got knots in and out, and you have no idea what there is. And see, that's our problem. We're under the sun. We're, we're seeing the back of the needlepoint. But, but from God's perspective, above the sun, he sees the front of it. And he says, no, it's all working together just exactly the way it needs to work together. Now, sad to say, it's a world of sin. Uh, and God can't change. Well, God will change that, but not now. At the end of the world, he'll change that. And so now, no, it won't always seem like it's right or good. It will seem like Solomon says it's a thing of vanity. But now in the next verses, he's going to tell us why we know it isn't a vanity, why we know that 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 there is something over the sun and that there is something that's in control and things are going the way they should go, even though we may not be able to see that. Um 
All right, I am done now. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And 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 it's really it's really helpful that you use that the needlepoint um, illustration because that's exactly what Solomon does in these next few verses. Um, because we're going to go to our break, but as you look at those next few verses, he shows what's out there in the world and says, "Look at this. Look at this. And look at this." Which is a wonderful thing that Scripture does is that we can visualize this. And then put in the right context, we can put and understand what that is in what that is in Christ. So we have to get to our break right now, though, as we think about that. We are studying Ecclesiastes chapter one with Pastor John Lekomsky, and we will be right back. These are the voices of young Lutherans in Mexico City, children who are excited to learn more about their Savior, Jesus. But they need our help, because good Lutheran books for kids in the Spanish language are in short supply in Mexico. To learn how you can help tell Spanish-speaking kids everywhere about Jesus in a language they can understand, go to the Lutheran Heritage Foundation website at lhfmissions.org forward slash Juan316. And welcome back. We are studying Ecclesiastes chapter 1 with Pastor John Lekomsky. And as we do so, we've gotten through the first three verses. And the next number of verses give us a visual to understand exactly how Solomon is unpacking this. So, Pastor, I'm going to ask again, anything else in the first three verses? Did we lose Pastor Lekomsky? Nope. I'm sorry, Brady. I turned my mic off. (laughs) Uh, I am ready to go. All right. Anything else, Pastor? Anything else? (laughs) No, no, I've said. Okay, let's keep going. Verses 4, and I'll go through verse 7. A generation goes, and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises, and the sun goes down, and hastens to the place where it rises. The wind blows to the south and goes around to the north. Around and around goes the wind, and on its circuits the wind returns. All streams run to the sea, but the sea is not full. To the place where the streams flow, there they flow again. So he points to our family, to the sun, to the wind, and to the streams, and gives us a, a, an object lesson, if you will. And what is he telling us? So, well, see, here's it's interesting. It really depends on whether you have the Ruah, whether you have the Spirit of God or not. Because mm-hmm. apart from the Spirit of God, yeah, that's the world, isn't it, Brady? Yeah, the sun comes up, the sun goes down, nothing gets better, nothing changes. It's always the same, just a really sad, terrible place. On the other hand, if you have the Ruah, you have the Spirit of God, which comes from His Word, you realize, oh, wait a second. So apparently the world is not out of control, <laughs> okay? Yeah, we see things coming to end, but the the uh, earth is still here, isn't it? And everything that God does in terms of creation, everything He did back from the very beginning of Genesis 1, where He said, uh, let there be this and that. It, it's still going. It's still functioning. In fact, I, I I love the Hebrew here when it talks about the sun. The sun rises and the sun goes down. And I think the ESV has hastens, but the Hebrew word means to pant. <laughs> and so the picture is, you got the sun out there in the sun. Hey, you're a track guy, aren't you? 
I forgot about that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So so Mm -hmm. you you know what happens to a runner after he runs for a while? He starts panting. (laughs) I don't know how far I can go. Uh, uh, See, now you were a smart guy. You weren't a runner. You were were like a a shot putter and stuff, weren't you? Yep. Yep. A shot one discus. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you saw those runners and you realize they're panting. <laughs> right, right. They're running out of energy. But, of course, that's the point. The sun doesn't get exhausted, does it? The sun doesn't fall down and say, well, I can't go anymore. Nope, the sun just gets up and starts again the next morning. But there's that beautiful picture there that the sun is is panting to the place where it rises. It just comes back and starts doing it all again. No, no, because man is vanity, but not God. Not what God does is not vanity. No, it just it just continues to do the things for which God has called it to do. And of course, now I'm thinking right away of that passage where God says, "Hey, hey, that's how it is with my word. My my word is not a vanity. My word does not return empty. My word accomplishes everything that I set it out to do." Okay, so yeah, you want to focus on your own life and the things under the sun. Of course, you're going to see vanity. But now, please listen to me and my word, particularly my word about Jesus. And you'll see, no, nothing's vain here. No, no, no. You, you, you'll you, die here. That's not a vanity. That's just a, a transition into something that's a hundred times better than anything you ever experienced in this world of vanity. And I found one one aspect to this where they talked about humanity. When we look at life, we want to ask, what can I get out of this? Um, what can uh, I yeah. get? And, and this is, and this is, um, there's some truth to this. And I mean, there's, there's some, there's a reality to this. And then, but when we look at it in the realm of God, it's about what can I give? Cause we can look yeah. at the streams, we can look at the wind, look at all of that and say, what good does this do for me? Even if you were to able to capture the wind to electricity, or if you were to get the streams of water to get whatever it might be, or the fish or whatever it might be after a while, you're like, what is the point? What's in it for me? When we look at it through the realm of God, we see a giving God, as it says in Titus chapter 2, verse 14, our great Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all the lawlessness and to purify himself for a people for his own possession, who are zealous for good works. So he really is pointing that no, life is not about the circle of life. We're not in Lion King here. You know, we're not talking about this this circle of life. We're seeing a giving God, and we see that he not only gives these gifts in this world, but also it ultimately is fulfilled in Christ. We're able to see it in a whole new life instead of just a good kid's movie. So any thoughts? Uh, yeah, someday we need to do the musical version of Thy Strong Word, and then we could just kind of break out in song, you know. Uh, That's right. That's right. We'll hold up a child. Yeah, we'll hold yeah. up a child and um, Thy Strong Word. Yeah, did he clean the darkness? Yeah, let's do it. So, <laughs> so yeah, yeah, but no, you're absolutely right. See, because that's the thing. You, you, you're looking for meaning. Well, first you start with the fact that God loves you in Jesus Christ. Uh, and then you start with the fact that in that love, we, we just love and care for the people around us. And then there then there is meaning, isn't it? Then it isn't vanity. Uh, we've talked about this dear fellow that passed away, but his, his wife loved him. He loved his wife, his children. That was not vanity. No, no, no. In fact, that's what makes it so hard, right? Because that, that's been separated. But, but no, there was no vanity there. There, there, was, there was love and care and compassion. And you're right. And now, of course, the sad thing is, is when we start talking that way, we're all going to reflect, oh, man, I have wasted so 
much of my life. So much of what I have been focused on is going to the mall, to the vanity store. But, but mm-hmm. okay, people. All right, that's called repentance. That's not a bad thing. We need to do that every day. And then just remind yourself that Jesus Christ died for us while we were at Sinners. Okay? <laughs> so, no, that didn't change his love or his plans for us either. That didn't change any of those things. So rejoice in that. Uh, you are forgiven. And now get up and love as Christ has loved you. And to look at it this way, when you go to northern Minnesota, you go to the um, North Shore, which is on Lake Superior. There's one place called Temperance River, which we love to go to as a family because the river literally runs into Lake Superior. Temperance River goes right in, and it's basically you go from warm water to extremely cold water. <laughs> and and my family loves to go there. I love to go there probably more than anything and swim. And you're you know you're you're just going up and down. Well, you can look at that as look at it as meaningless. You can say, what's the point of that? Like it just keeps flowing. Lake Superior doesn't seem to get any more, and Temperance River doesn't seem to do anything differently. The water looks the same. Everything looks the same. It's pointless. But when you look at the realm of faith, you're like, how does God do that? That's an incredible thing <laughs> that the river, how does that start? How does it go? How does it happen? And you see the, the, the glory of God in the midst of that. And, and you have a little better understanding when you see it through the lens of faith, of the beauty of God's creation and how it continually works in it. So that's, I just like to bring up the North Shore anytime I can. So there it was. I had the opportunity. I took it. Anything else, Pastor? Well, well I'm just picking up on that example, Brady. I, I, the other thing I worry about, though, when we start talking about doing works of love, that people automatically go to these religious things that are being done and, oh, I guess I need to do more soup suppers or, or whatever, you know, work in the church more or whatever. Uh, but may we remind people that what you just said there, that's what God is looking for us to do. I mean, yes, we should help at soup suppers and do things at church too. But but let's remember that just that time you spent with your family at the North Shore, there's no vanity there. There's no mm. vanity. That's what it's all about. Just doing whatever God has given us to do in our day-to-day lives. And certainly there's nothing finer we can do in the eyes of God than just having fun with our family. Uh, that's probably the epitome of the good things we can do. So thank you for that example, Brady. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, so let's let's keep moving forward. As, as we said, keep this in the goggles of Christ, verses 8, and we'll go through verse 11. All things are full of weariness. A man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. What has been is what will be, and what has been done is what will be done. And there's nothing new under the sun. Is there a thing of which it is said, see, this is new? It has been already. In the ages before us, there is no remembrance of former things. Nor will there be any remembrance of latter things yet to come among those who come after. Now, Pastor, I'm going to start with this. The question kind of comes like this. Someone reads this and goes, what do you mean there's nothing new? I just got my iPhone 13. There's never (laughs) been an iPhone before the late 2000s, and now we have it. What do you mean there's nothing new? This one's clearly better, and we're in the technological age. How would you answer that? Answer that comment to 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 your your parishioner as they ask that. Well, well, first of all, I'm proud to announce that you know that iOS 15.2 came out yesterday. So if you haven't upgraded your iPhone, because it is totally new, there'll be things you can do that you could not. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) 
well, oh, of course. See, see what what he's referring to is, is that you know what, man. I I've got an iPhone 12, and I really debated whether I should get the iPhone 13. And and when the iPhone 14 comes out, for sure I'm going to get that. Uh, that's what he means when he says the eye is not satisfied with seeing, the the ear is filled with hearing. See, he reflects on the fact that we're never satisfied. We're never satisfied. Uh, Mark Nebel, who's a really good guy, pastor at Redbud, he was at uh, our uh, uh, district board of directors, and he pointed out, I can't remember who the billionaire was, but they asked the billionaire, how much money do you need? How much money do you need? And he said, always $1 more. Yeah, <laughs> right? yeah that's good. Always $1 that's more. And, and Luther, of course, it, he writes his commentary on this, and he says the same thing. He talks about Alexander the Great and all these other big leaders that, that were prominent in history, and they were never satisfied. You know, Alexander the Great said, you know, I've conquered all these countries, but I just have to conquer more. And, and, and that's, that's the problem. That's what's not new. We, we just are never satisfied. We always want more. And, and we, we forget that, no, then that's vanity, isn't it? If you can never be happy with what you have, if you always have to have more, well, then your life would be a life of vanity, isn't it? Because your iPhone 12 isn't good enough for you. You're constantly thinking about what else you, you can get. So, And that's a good reminder. We often will quote, there's nothing new under the sun. I mean, we, yeah. will, we will speak about that, especially when you work with relationships. I find that... Um, when I talk to my father about where I'm at ministry and, and oh, now he's in his seventies that he's able to relate. Yeah. I remember those kind of situations. And then when I listen to my kids, teenagers and younger, um, you hear what they're going through and you're like, yeah, yeah, I've been there. I understand this. And then you read old books and you read the Bible obviously. And you're like, wow, there really is nothing new under the sun. So it's not necessarily a, is there not new technology? Of course there is. Um, yeah. But the, the problems still arise. The, the view of those objects have, just keep kind of doing a cycle, um, the cyclical thing, because we're, we're just sinful people and needing redemption from every generation to the next. And so it really is, how do we see that and how do we live in faith is the same struggle that we, our forefathers and foremothers had that we will continue to do until Christ returns again. So, so I, I do want to make one highlight, verse 11. So yeah. anything else in the other verses? Well, well just that, that uh, so, so Luther talks about uh, 500 years ago, and he says, man, I just can't imagine the world could get any worse than it is now. Surely the world's going to be coming to an end because it's just horrible, and I can't see. And now, of course, we're living 500 years later, and we're saying the same thing. In fact, you know, 20 years we were saying it, and now we got COVID. Well, how can it get any worse than this, you know? Right. But, but, of course, that's the thing. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing new under the sun in that respect, that, that the evil, the trials, will always be there. Uh, we have these moments when, when things do get better. We have these little signs that God gives us, the sun rising every day, that he's still here, he's still in control. But yeah, yeah, we, we, we are never satisfied. Our eyes not satisfied, our ears not filled. So that's how it is. And yes, go ahead, because verse 11 so, has something that I want to comment on too, but you go ahead. Yeah, yeah, so I'll start here. In verse 11, it, I'll just read it again. There's no remembrance of former things, nor will there be any remembrance of latter things yet to be among those who come after. And this, this is a good reminder that when I look at, for example, the, the family history, the Finneran family history, as you read these, and then most of them are just names. They're names that are deep meaning to us as a family because they are our forefathers, foremothers, and you hear just a little bit about them, but they had a whole full life 
um, that, you know, sinful, but yet forgiven, looking to Christ and so forth. But a lot of those names are forgotten. Or if you donate something to your church, even if you put your your name on, then therefore uh, you're going to have uh, um, uh, people are gonna, whose name is that again, even with the nameplate yeah. on it. But I really like what uh, uh, what we I read one commentary that spoke when you look at it through Christ's goggles, then you were able to look at it from a man by the name of Gregory of Nyssa, who was a, a, a church father from the fourth century, when he speaks about how we can look at it that way, that no one remembers you anyways. So what's the point? But he says this, that in verse 11, the memory of events which followed are our blessed state at the beginning through which humanity has come to be among all evils. We realize we have no memory of us, but the final resurrection will make all this come to fruition, that to make the memory of evil things will utterly vanish in our nature, that what was in the past is now gone because we in Christ Jesus our Lord, to him be glory forever and ever and ever. Pointing us to this, that the final resurrection, there will be no remembrance of latter things because everything will be perfect, renewed, a new heaven and a new earth, which I thought was just a great way of pulling this back. We can look at it one way and say, wow, what's the point? Or we can look at it, wow, all of this will be over the toil and we will have Christ. What are your thoughts? So isn't it interesting how Jesus changes everything? Because if you take Jesus out of the picture, there's nothing helpful here at all. You put Jesus in the the picture and you realize, oh, to not remember former things, that's actually a good thing. <laughs> that's right. Because when we rise, we won't remember. Right? What What's he say? He says, the tears we have now are not compared to the glories that lie ahead. We, we literally will have such joy, we won't even really remember why we were sad back then. And, you know, you're talking about your old relatives. See, that's what I think is neat. You're right. I maybe didn't know these people. I know them by name. I know stories about them. But there will come a time when I will sit down with my great-grandfather and we'll talk about and he'll talk about oh john here's some things that happened before you were born and i'll say well guess what great-grandpa here's some things that happened." you know what i mean people wonder mm-hmm. what are we going to do in heaven i think we're going to spend all our time just visiting with people and and joyfully re- renewing friendships we had in the past and having new friendships i think that's what it'll all be about just just about being with people but now let me take it on a total different take and isn't it fascinating how the ruah the holy spirit the wind of God, which is not a wind of vanity, uh, but a wind that, that brings to life. Um, see, because now when I heard that, I, 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 I was moved to repentance because I don't remember the former things, which is mm. to say, man, I've had problems. When you get to be 68 years old, you got problems. And you've had problems. You had 68 years of problems. And consistently, time and time again, God delivered me, okay? And in most times, I didn't even need to do anything. He just did it all on his own. Although there were times that I, I made my contribution, which you're supposed to do. You know, you don't sit around and say, well, you better take care of this God problem, God. But you know what? We've, we've got a couple new problems that have come up, Brady. I got a leaky roof for one thing. And and all of a sudden, I forget all that stuff. All of a sudden, like, oh, I don't know what we're going to do with this, you know. And I think, well, you silly guy. How many times has God done—how many how many times does he have to do good things for us to realize that he always, he always blesses us? Uh, but again, that's the problem. Uh, we are sinners, aren't we? Which, is, again, is why we we got to have Christ and his forgiveness. 
But it, it's, I just think it's cool how you can look at that passage and it works in so many different ways. Right, and especially when you see it in Christ. But, but Pastor, yeah. we actually have a caller named Daryl who has a question for us today. So, um, Daryl, you have a question? Yes, good morning, Pastor Fader, and good morning, uh, Pastor Lekomsky. Thank you so much for doing Ecclesiastes. I appreciate it. Um, and not just because uh, Chapter 3 of Ecclesiastes comes from the bird song, or the bird song comes from Ecclesiastes 3. But, um, <laughs> not just because of that. Uh, but on, on Chapter 1, Verse 8, when I first read through the first uh, section of that verse, I was a little confused, so I was, I was hoping you guys could, could give me some clarification. Um, the, the, in the ESV, it just reads, all things are full of weariness. A man cannot utter it. So I, I was perplexed by that. And so my hypothesis in regards to it is, is, is it saying that there is, that, that Solomon is saying there's so much weariness in the world that a man could never you know, uh, to never lend any any uh, verbiage to it because it would be too much to do, or or is there something more being said there? Well, thank so, you, Daryl, so for Dar that question. I'm going to give it to Pastor Lekomsky. What do you got? So, so Daryl, to everything, turn, turn, turn. We need to do a musical version, Brady. I'm telling you, there's too many it. opportunities to burst out in song. <laughs> uh, no, no, uh, actually, Daryl, that's how I would see it. That, that he looks at everything that's going on, and it's just, man, it's just there's so many problems, so many things wrong. I, you know, I, I can't even begin. I can't even begin to describe how, how everything is just weariness. I don't know, Brady, did you, do you see any other sense in that? Yeah, I'm looking at the commentary by Dr. Bullhagen, yeah. and it says in verse 8, and he translated it as this, everything is so tiresome beyond human description. So I think from what I'm reading and what he's saying, and I would have to research it more, I think that would affirm exactly what Daryl is saying. Yep, I agree with you, Daryl. Mm -hmm. I agree with you too, Brady. Yep. Well, thank you, Daryl, for that for that question. Good to hear from you. Thank you, Pastors. Yes, thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, Pastor, we have about six minutes left. I want to read the rest <laughs> of our uh, section okay. because now it's kind of like this. You're like, okay, let's look at the world, and we have all of this. And okay, all right, so that's good. But at least I can pursue wisdom, right? And and Solomon's the wisdom guy. So therefore, okay, I have wisdom, therefore everything would be good. But that's not exactly how he ends it. So let's read verses 12 through 18. I, the preacher, have been king over Israel and Jerusalem. And I applied my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom all that is done under heaven. It is an unhappy business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. I have seen everything that is done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and a striving after wind. What is crooked cannot be made straight, and what is lacking cannot be counted. I said in my heart, I have acquired great wisdom, surpassing all who were over Jerusalem before me, and my heart has great experience of wisdom and knowledge, and I applied my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. I perceive that all this also is but a striving after wind. For in much wisdom is much vexation, and he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. So Solomon's the wisdom guy, you know, and as we know in 1 Kings chapter 3, he prays for wisdom and the Lord granted it to him. So he's like the wisest guy around. He's the best wise guy, if I can say it that way. Um, and we look at these verses and he kind of speaks about how great it is and then how it is nothing but striving after the wind. What is he saying, Pastor? 
So, so yeah, what, what you're going to have now when you get together uh, uh, tomorrow is you have the list of these things that, that people say, this is the answer to vanity. Okay, so this is one section. You'll have several. And, and so he starts, like you said, with the thing that he prayed for and the thing that God gave him and the thing that he's known for, which is wisdom. And he basically says, yeah, I thought this was the answer. I thought this would give me happiness and joy and blessing. That's what I asked for. Uh, but but he said, you know what? No, it wasn't. <laughs> wisdom, <laughs> yeah. wisdom wasn't the answer to my vanity. Uh, and, and you know what? I, I think I think what he says in the very first, or actually the second verse, or verse 13, shows you what the problem was. And I applied my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom all that is done under happen, heaven. rather. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think that phrase, I applied my heart. The word heart there, by the way, is live. Isn't that strange? That's the Hebrew word live. And we have the word live in the English. And, and live really means more than heart. It means your mind. It means your thoughts, your emotions. It's just kind of the word that summarizes everything that is in you. Okay? And, and that's the problem. He thought wisdom was something for him to do. He had to do the application. He had to do the work. And if he thought about it, no, no, no. Wisdom was a gift that God gave him, right? Isn't that how it worked? God said, what do you want? And he said, well, I'll take wisdom. And God said, okay, that's a good thing. You could ask for money and wealth, which, of course, we'll talk about. That's what you're going to talk about in the future, isn't it? All those other things. Wisdom wasn't a bad request. But you see, you see, if you thought wisdom was the answer, you were wrong there, too. Uh, and certainly you seeking wisdom that's not the answer either, because the answer is what God gives. It's always what God gives us in grace. And unfortunately, that's why I doubt the Lord, because when I have problems right away, what's my first thought? What do I need to do to solve this problem? And that is my idolatry. You know, people, they, you'll talk about worshiping money and goods and, and stuff like that. But for me, the idolatry is I, I, I think I'm the God. I have to take care of it. And the Lord just says, John, I don't know. You have so much sadness and so much frustration and so much worry. Just realize I, I am your Lord. I died for you. I'm going to take care of everything that needs to be taken care of. And as you pointed out so beautifully earlier, just love just care for the people around you. That's all you need to do. Uh, and even you don't need to do that <laughs> to get God to care for you, but it's how God's going to use you to care for others. So, I mean, that would be my understanding. He says, mm-hmm. yeah, you're right. I'm the wisest guy that ever lived. And guess what? I found out that was a vanity too. So, In verse 18, he says, for in much wisdom is much vexation. And he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. Kind of the yeah. understanding of, the more we learn about the world, we more we realize how broken it is. And that and that's and that's a very humbling reality. And I do find that here Solomon is not only reflecting on his life, looking at meaning, but he also is lamenting. And this is a healthy thing for us to do as Christian people. Now, Pastor, we have about two minutes left. So I wanted to touch on that a little bit. Any thoughts on Solomon's lament and then to wrap things up? So actually about a minute, minute. So what do you got? Okay. Well, I just want to remind you what, what Solomon said in his Proverbs. In one seven. he says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So if I was counseling Solomon, I would say, Solomon, you're absolutely right, isn't it? You, you've learned that all this wisdom, all these worldly things, all of your striving is just nothing. It's nothing. But now, now Solomon, 
now that you understand that you're a sinner, just like everybody else, no matter how wise you were, you're still a sinner like everybody else. Now that you have the fear of the Lord, don't you see, Solomon, now you're really ready to understand true wisdom. Because you know who wisdom is? Wisdom isn't a thing. It's not something that we do. Wisdom is a person, right? Isn't that how the Bible speaks of wisdom? Mm -hmm. Wisdom, Jesus Christ, Mm -hmm. is our wisdom. Exactly. So for all of our listeners who uh, are—and I can. I can empathize with with Solomon here. But just remember, there's more things than than just what we see under the sun, isn't there? Uh, uh, There are the things we have above the sun— uh, in Jesus Christ, who actually came down and dwelt under the sun with us. Isn't that remarkable? Mm-hmm. He, he joined us in this life of vanity. What kind of God is that except a God who loves us enough to be with us? Pastor John Lekomsky, co-host of Wrestling with the Basics here on KFUO, giving us God's strong word of wisdom from Ecclesiastes chapter 1. Pastor Lekomsky, thank you for the gifts. Thank you, Brady. <laughs> Saints of our Lord, Solomon doesn't hold back. Vanity of vanity, meaningless of meaningless, everything is meaningless without God. Is like striving after the wind, wind, wisdom, money, possessions, relationships, leisure, all of it, vanity. But when we have meaning, the meaning is not found in the meaning of life, but the meaning is found in Christ. For we live here under the sun, but we have hope above the sun, which is in the sun, who is our wisdom, and he is our hope. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hands.